One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 upfront for 3 months plus taxes and fees, promo rate for new customers for a limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, I'm Sophie Ellis-Bexter and welcome to Spinning Plates, the podcast where I speak to busy working women who also happen to be mothers about how they make it work. I'm a singer and I've released seven albums in between having my five sons aged 16 months to 16 years, so I spin a few plates myself. Being a mother can be the most amazing thing, but can also be hard to find time for yourself and your own ambitions. I want to be a bit nosy and see how other people balance everything. Welcome to Spinning Plates. Hey, hey, how are you? I'm speaking to you from a quiet house. This is a nice feeling. Listen to how silent it is. Actually, I can hear the rain. It's been a bit drizzly recently. How are you? How's everything? I am, um, I'm actually not up to much. I'm having a, a little weekend off. It's been very chill. And that was exactly what I needed. I was very ready for a little break. Back at it again soon, though. Got a couple of festivals coming up next weekend. Don't worry, I'll be back to the grind. But uh, for now, it's just um, not doing very much, just playing with the kids and being in the pool and that kind of thing, a.k.a. a holiday. Anyway, no rest for spinning plates. No, no. Um, This week, what a gorgeous guest. My friend, actually, Rachel Riley. So Rachel and I met when we were part of the same dancing school, also known as Strictly Come Dancing, which, would you believe, was a decade ago. Bloody hell, I can't believe it was 10 years ago I did that programme. That's bonkers. And yes, many fond memories, actually. I mean, look, it was a very, very unique environment, Best of times with the glory of the twinkly outfits and doing the dances. Worst of times with the nerves um, and actually some of the emotional intensity of it was a bit much for me. However, for some people, it was life-changing, like Rachel. So when Rachel did the show, I was paired with Brendan Cole, Rachel was paired with Pasha, and actually they fell in love and they are now married and they have two little girls. Absolutely gorgeous. They're a brilliant couple. I'm super fond of them. Their little girls are gorgeous. And Rachel and I bump into each other fairly frequently, actually, over the years. I think she's brilliant. I've got nothing but respect for her. Plus, I've seen her at her day job when she's doing the numbers on Countdown. And bloody hell, that woman's mind. It's very impressive to see her and Susie Dent just doing what they do on Countdown as flawlessly as they do it, like exercising that muscle. It's super cool. Um... And it was just such a pleasure to sit down with Rachel and chat to her about how she's found motherhood, but also her incredible strength, actually. She was involved in um, the actions against anti-Semitism in the Labour Party. And you know what? You have to be pretty brave to put yourself out there because that comes with it with a whole lot of shtick, which um, I don't know if that's the right word, a whole lot of... Well, actually, just brazen, disgusting criticism. Trolls, people sending horrific messages, just stuff you wouldn't want to invite into your life. But if you feel strongly about something that's unjust and unfair and you actually speak up on it and you have principles like that, I just have nothing but respect for that. I think that's a wonderful way to live and what an inspiring way she'll be raising her kids to call out things that don't feel right. I think that's hugely impressive. And obviously... 
Rachel's actions have been completely noted and she's now the recipient of an MBE, which she only got recently, I think. So where are we now? August, I think she got her MBE in... I think it was June, or it might have been beginning of July. Really recent. So congratulations to her for that. And yeah, it's just an absolute pleasure to sit down and talk and spend some time. I think, uh, on the whole, a lot of my guests on Spinning Plates are people that I may be meeting for the first time or I don't know that well. But Rachel and I, oh, it was just really nice to sit down with someone who's also a friend. That is a joy. So yes, over to Rachel, and I will see you on the other side. Hello, Rachel. I finally got you on my podcast, Yay! having spoken to you about it, like, I think maybe two years ago, three years ago. I think that's, yeah, when I first had a baby and was like, actually, I'm, I'm not I'm not having much to do because yeah. it's a pandemic and my husband's around. And You're like, I'm not really spending very many plates I right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, now just I am. <laughs> now I'm here. Now I've just come for the free childcare for an hour. You're looking after my little girl so I can exactly. talk to you. I'm like, great, get me on. <laughs> well, not me specifically. Carolina's been brilliant with her um, playing. We'll see She's them in the garden sometimes. It's really sweet. But um yeah, it's actually quite nice because she's come over and she's got the whole house to herself because all my boys are out, it. so there's all these toys, so she'll yeah. have a ball. Normally she'd be, you know, screaming if I'm leaving the room and she's like, Mum, who? No, she's going to be like, can you talk for longer? <laughs> there's cupboards I haven't been into yet. Um, but yeah, before we press record, we were both talking about how much we've got going on and obviously, you know, have two little girls and Pasha's been in the round and you're doing your work. So what is happening in your life at the moment with work? What are you up to? So right now, um, I've got countdown and eight out of ten cats is countdown so we live in london and we film in salford and i'm still feeding the baby so every other weekish, I, I i schlep up to manchester with the baby um and everyone else stays at home and pasha has been filming um he's choreographing a film in romania so he's been away for the most of the last month he was home for less than 48 hours over the weekend so we actually saw him and he's gone away again um so it's kind of changed because over the pandemic we were just around a lot i was still you know, fortunate enough to still be filming Countdown, but he's his work, you know, in you know theatre and shows, it just disappeared. Mm. Which actually, you know, in retrospect, we really appreciate having all that family time together. But you know, everything that you would expect to be doing as new parents and that juggle, we just kind of didn't have. So yeah. now we've got two, and now life's back up and running. I mean, it's always changing, but for now, it's like it's been transition for us because he's about to go on tour as well with La Bamba. So he's going to be in London and then in Leicester and then here, there and everywhere. And, and I'm going to be up and down to Manchester and we've got, you know, one in preschool and one going to be going. So it feels now I, my head is, you know, looking in seven different directions and trying to work out how they piece together and trying not to think about it because yeah. <laughs> you know, sweat a bit. Well, I think that's actually the way I handle things like that because... I mean, I suppose out of your two careers, Pasha's is quite similar to the way it works Richard and I in terms mm -hmm. of musicians yeah. and being away and that kind of working odd hours and travelling around and, and everything changing quite regularly. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of just do like one week as it comes really because yeah. if you look ahead, it's actually a bit too much and the kids are actually really adaptable and yeah. they, they kind of get on with whatever's in front of them really yeah so yeah. I think if you look far ahead it makes your head spin but yeah I just need to sort out some kind of regular childcare but we don't have a regular you know working life so that's the thing if you knew it was Monday to Friday I'd be able to sort someone out but I just I need to delve into it. I need to do some research I need to be a grown-up and <laughs> wow. find some proper childcare at some stage yes and, and don't worry because I actually I don't really know very many people like hardly any of my friends do have that regular life so um I can give you some advice we can <laughs> no, I, mean, I need it that's chatting. what I'm here for <laughs> yeah. um well I was thinking about you and, and Countdown because I was lucky enough to come up and do Countdown yeah, with you early in the year lovely. which I loved and you record so you do like the whole week's episodes in one day yeah and I was exhausted that night. <laughs> I slept so well because I've been trying to do all these words and number games. Uh -huh. What's your relationship with maths like these days? Like, How do you feel about it as a thing to be doing? Well, I was a bit worried because when I got pregnant, you think, you know, you hear about baby brain and hormones and then sleep deprivation. And thankfully, the countdown thing is like riding a bike. So thankfully, that's still there. I mean, I think even before kids, like, I had fluctuations. I could feel with like hormone fluctuations, some days I'm just not there mm. and I think there's nothing you can really do about that you just ride it and you know get back to it the next day um but yeah I, I mean I'm with you five shows a day and then I go home and I've got the baby and sometimes she's teething and sometimes you just get a couple of hours and you're back in the studio but you just get on with it mm. um and I think you know the adrenaline <laughs> keeps you going Definitely. Um, and I've got such a great team around me and I'm a proper maths geek that's my favorite thing 
So, you know, sometimes I can't put sentences together, but thankfully I can still do the numbers game. It's so, so flipping impressive, though. I loved watching you do it. It's lovely. And, I mean, you and actually Susie Dent as well. She's a very in- impressive with uh, word knowledge as well. Yeah. Amazing. She's amazing. And she's, you know, she's actually, she's a, I, I love Susie. We're just like really, really good mates. Yeah, I can see that. She's got two girls as well, and hers are a bit older. I think Lucy's about 22 now. Um, and Thea's about 15 um, so seeing her as a working mum like Thea was you know a little baby coming up with her when I first joined Countdown so mm. it's quite nice to see what's ahead for me and how you can juggle it and how you can manage it and she can still write 15 books uh, yeah. and come up to Manchester and all the rest of it is, is uh, yeah it's my future without all those all those books <laughs> <laughs> and actually I suppose as well when you talk about regular jobs like you've actually been doing it for a really long time Countdown it's been a big it's, part um, of your life yeah over 14 years now so I was 22 when I got my job um, fresh out of uni and 37 now two kids and still enjoying it and still you know I think my probably clothing outfits have probably changed (laughs) I have the option so I've you know it was interesting getting the maternity wardrobe and obviously you go up and then you go down and then you go I got pregnant again so you go up and then you go down and then some of the stuff you just think was it this short you know a few years ago is it just that my body's a bit different I don't know but um yeah some of those some of the things have been chucked out like as in yeah but that's also just what happens when you look at your wardrobe and you're like is this still where I'm at anyway (laughs) And I've got things. I've got things upstairs that I've had since I was in my twenties. Some even in my teens. Yeah. And it's like I have to sometimes admit, like I'm not really going to go back to that look anymore. <laughs> you don't want to throw head, it out like, there. You're yeah. like maybe one day. Exactly. Maybe. And it's funny as well because you're, when you're doing countdown, you've obviously got the contestants, and everybody's like getting excited if they get like answer the maths problem or they get a six or seven or eight letter word but actually even Susie are doing them right like every time I was like saying to Susie like have you ever considered being like playing countdown you're really good at it (laughs) (laughs) we don't get to we love to I think we've had you know the odd round on eight out of ten castles countdown where we get to actually play along or a conundrum if if the contestants they get the conundrum we can shove a hand up but um I mean that's I mean that's my job I get to play every round every numbers round Mm. um and I love it. You know. Well, yeah, I mean, you said you're like a numbers geek. You've always yeah. loved it. But do you think that the profile of maths has changed since you started Countdown or even before, like since you started studying it? Do you feel like it's got a different association with people now? Um, I'm not sure. I think, I think science, I think, you know, there's a lot of people that have done great things for popular science, you know, with Brian Cox effect, buying loads of telescopes and things like that. I think maths is still something that people don't quite understand what mathematicians do. There's I mean, I'm a big fan of Hannah Fry. She's a mathematician. She's, um, again, like working mum. And she's just so cool. And she's actually still working in maths. And she goes and she talks about what mathematicians are doing and how they're, you know, mapping out the best way to leave a fire escape mm. or um, working out where burglaries are likely to occur and, and, the, and all these cool things. And I think, I think science and STEM in general has kind of moved on. I think people realise now it's not, you know, necessarily nerdy and geeky is was kind of like the terms you'd think of when I was younger but now it's just ubiquitous like it's true you know the world has changed so much since we we were young Mm. and just you know that if you're going to go into science and technology engineering math stem um you're going to get a job and potentially the job you're going to get if you're you know a student doesn't even exist yet yeah but you're going to be employable um and I think you know the more we can encourage kids and I like to encourage girls especially because there's still this gender difference um definitely perceptions and then the numbers going into studying and getting jobs and these things um so the more we can say it's open to everyone um and it's not you know there's no maths brain there's no creative brain it's you know you're just you that that's a myth and if you like these things you don't have to be Einstein you don't have to understand everything you don't have to know every word in the English language to say that you can speak English and it's the same with you know, science and maths, you can you can find the bit that you like and you can, you know, delve out a pathway and get an interesting career if you want to. I really love that, actually. And I think, well, firstly, we had Anne, Hannah Fry. Of, of oh, okay. podcast. Well, I love Hannah. Yes. And like you said, I was thinking when you were saying that, that both of you, yes, you've been employed, but maybe both of you have found yourself doing things you didn't necessarily think would be the end end result when you were doing your oh, studying. Definitely. Um, but also, I think what you said about... Um, saying you don't have a creative brain or a science brain, it's just you and the bits you know are the bits you're good at sort of thing and the bits you enjoy, that's that's valid and that counts. I remember going to the Science Museum, <clears throat> excuse me, and they had 
um, a big sign and it said something like, maths is not just what you learn in school. There's maths everywhere. When you mm-hmm. pack your suitcase, you're, that's maths. If you're noticing patterns in nature, that's maths. Yeah. And I thought, I wish they'd said that at school yeah. because there's so much of a thing of like, you're good at this, you're not good at that. And it's yeah. all the, the way you're taught, that the academics of it determine your, your relationship with that subject. Yeah, and that's particularly what <clears throat> turns girls off. Um, mm. I mean, girls and boys as well, but statistically, you know, generalising, girls are more susceptible to outside influences. So if you tell a girl you're not good at maths, especially at a young age, um, or anyone really, they, 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 they implant that and they, they start to believe it and they perpetuate it. Um, so it's just important to just have... I, I, I support um, a brilliant, brilliant charity called National Numeracy and they're all about growth mindset. So it's not, I can't do maths, it's I can't do maths yet because the biggest indicator as to whether you can improve your math skills is if you believe you can. And there's, you know, a problem... We do have a problem in the UK with numeracy. I think 50% of adults are at the level you'd expect of an 11-year-old. Again, it's lower for women. Um, and we're passing on, you know, negative feelings and fear of it to Definitely. kids. And I think we need to just change the way we speak about it, change the attitude and not be scared of it and not um, not feel intimidated and just give it a go. And yeah. even if you're going in and you're trying to help your kids and over the pandemic, you know, more people were having to do more maths and a higher level than they did before because they're helping the kids for obvious reasons. Um, and it's, you know, you can go back and you can learn it together. And if you're asking questions, great. Like, it's a learning opportunity. Mm. Um, I just think it's really important to just be positive about it in the same way you wouldn't proudly say, I can't read or can't, you know, yeah. don't say I can't do maths because it's just I can't do it yet. Yeah, and also there's lots of different levels and aspects of maths. I actually like maths. I always enjoyed it at school. Um, I quite like helping Kit with his maths homework. We'll sit quite heavy. He's 14, so he's sort of getting to the GCSE level. And it's funny, things are sort of starting to come back a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Also, the resources that are out there now for that age group are brilliant in terms of going online and watching people Mm -hmm. give demos. That feeling I had sometimes where I felt like, this happened across the board, by the way, feeling like I'd missed a really crucial part of the lesson. Maybe I was away that day. My friends would be like, no, no, you were definitely there. (laughs) (laughs) But now you can go online and you can get access to that again and someone will patiently take you through it again. And I think, oh, that's brilliant. Oh, yeah, it's fun. I'm, I'm at a different stage. My oldest is three and a half, but she is starting. Like we, the other day, we were driving. I try and just make it, uh, just get her to spot numbers and spot maths in the world around her. So we were driving in the car, and she was, you know, whinging in the back about something ridiculous. And I was like, Maeve, let's see what numbers we can see. So every time she saw a road sign, she's like, twenty or three and naught. That makes thirty. And at the moment, she's at the stage where she's just trying to recognise what numbers are. Um, and she saw, we had a little eight-year-old, um, sorry, nine-year-old girl around and we were playing some countdown games because she likes maths and Maeve, for the first time, saw adding and taking away and she's like, mummy, I want to do addicts. It's like, great. <laughs> so we call it addicts um, and she wants to try adding um, and it's so nice just to see her enthusiastic about it and if she gets it wrong, it's like, no, just try again, darling. And, you know, and when she gets it, she's so pleased. Yeah. Um, and it's important not to say, no, that's wrong and, and have any negative attitude about it. It's like, all right, have another go. Yeah. Um, and just get her to spot numbers and maths in the world around her and, you know, got her a little watch and she's enthusiastic about it. And I, I just, you know, for me, I love it. And when I see, you know, a something mathematical, you know, mathematical way of thinking, just even if it's like we're playing a matching game and to get the same amount of cards each, she'll like just balance it so that they're level. That's like a mathematical way of thinking. It just makes me. It just I gives can me see like your face like, oh, is really lighting I'm up so with proud. this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like if they're dancing, their daddy can watch that, and you know, and if they're doing, if they're leveling two piles of cards, I'm just like, oh, that's my girl. And you over to Pasha, like now you join, and he's like, I'm sh- stop it. No, I'm not going. No, he's, <laughs> no, he's he actually he's got he likes maths. He's like, I remember, I remember a lot of maths we, and dancing. Well, when we were first paired up, um, there was some like sum, and so many people, even like a simple sum. If they're asked it in front of me, they get a bit nervous and they're like looking and they're checking the you know, most basic things. And he was like, no, I like maths. Like, what? <laughs> um, so it's nice. That is cool. I mean, I wouldn't normally, when I normally, when I speak to people, I don't really talk too much about the other half, but seeing as I met you and Pasha at the same time, yeah. it feels a bit different. And I realised we actually met like 10 years ago now. 10 years crazy, this year, isn't, isn't it? it? I know. Yeah. I've still got, you know what? I've got the bottle. Do you remember they gave us a bottle of champagne that's yes. got Strictly Come Dancing of the Year on it? I mean, I'm sure it tastes like vinegar. But I like, looked in our cupboard and I found that and I was like, you know what? 
in September or whenever it is. I'm gonna I'm gonna open that. I'm gonna see I'm gonna see what it's like. I think it's good a time as any, isn't it? That's very sweet actually. I ended up giving mine to Brendan because he was so annoyed that the, the professional dancers hadn't been given one. <laughs> Oh no, I can't. It with me. He was like really like grumpy, like, we didn't get those. So I was like, okay, fair enough. Thank you. You can have it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, we went to the same dancing school, which is how we met. Um, it does feel <laughs> is that like. That's we call d- it. Yeah, that's why I refer to <laughs> dancing it. Dancing school. It's kind of the thing that must be. That's the only place that taught me anything about like waltz or foxtrot or yeah. anywhere else. So. Um, I mean, it's funny. I think I have now got to put where when I hear the theme tune, I don't feel quite as like <laughs> yeah. freaked out. Um, but it was an extraordinary process. I mean, do you, I suppose it is such a long time ago now, but what are your memories of that time? I mean, for me, it's still the most terrifying thing I've ever done yeah. in my whole life. Well, I mean, I listened to your audiobook and oh, yes. it is <laughs> kind of like... a couple of times. <laughs> but, well, well, you know, the part on, when I got to the part on Strictly, I literally had to speed it up you know, listen to you, I don't know, like three times, as fast as I could listen to it. So I'd listen to it, but it still ha- gets me. And, I, and like, it is like a, you, you don't know, man, you weren't there. And it, and it is ridiculous because I, in the same way that I can see you apologising because it's not, you know, real problems, it does do something to your psyche that isn't comfortable. And it, even now, like my body's kind of like, something's just like flowing through me that isn't comfortable. And I hate the theme tune and I have to put a brave face on with the girls because I'm like, yay, daddy's song. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I did get like mild PTSD after it. Um, really? Yeah. And I, I think my like my the eventual way I decided to I, like, learn to deal with it was to ignore it as much as possible. Because mm. I tried immersive, I tried ignoring it, I tried everything. And the best way was just just let it wash over me because obviously I was with Pasha. So every year I'd find that I would go through each week I'd know exactly what week it was and I would have like the memories of, of my experience on it plus the memories of each ex- year and, and I would kind of like bring on everything that he was going through each week as well. So it was compounding and I just, it, it just, oh, I don't like, I mean, I had a great time while I was on it. Yeah. But when I was off it, I mean, I think only someone that's been on that, you know, mad roller coaster can quite get it. I think um, that's very true. And actually when I've met people who've done it on different years to me, there's definitely a sort of common... <laughs> that response. look in your eye yes. you're like, I know yeah. yes we've been, been through it <laughs> which is funny because on the surface of it, it was so much about it, it was really glorious you know yeah, yeah, yeah. really really exquisite and I loved I loved learning something new as an adult yeah a lot and spending whole days just dancing around the place like turns out really suited me I loved all that um but I think there was something about the sharpness of your focus during yeah. that time I think that was part of what I found I've never really done that anything like that I, yeah I totally agree I think um for me at the time you like when you're rehearsing that's the place you got to be in and you haven't got anything else to worry about and you're yeah. and you get that instant gratification of like Sunday you can't do anything you've never seen the charter before Saturday you're performing and like you've, you're ticking the box of like I've, I've done what I'm supposed to be doing and I think this is, it's like a really like a holiday romance version of you know when footballers retire mm. and they've had their whole lives planned and they've been in this team and they've been working towards something and they've been doing all the exercise so they get the endorphins for that and then mm. you know you just stop and yeah. then you're you're outside of this group that you've been part of. Yeah. You're back to like doing random stuff, but all your friends are still doing it. You don't, you're not doing the exercise that you were doing every day, all day, every day. So the endorphins just stop. So like there's that hormonal yeah. thing. And it just it just feels weird. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm quite a rational, try to be scientific type of person. Um and I think I just think the hormones, it just it just does something to you that you can't control. Yeah. And I actually had um I Pasha got me um, a CBT um, session while I was on it because when I was in the dance off, I just got stage fright and I came back the next week and was just not there. And he said, "You know what's happened to you?" So he sent me for rapid CBT, um, and it was it was one of the most brilliant things I've done in my life because it taught me that I was a perfectionist, which I didn't realise. I thought being a perfectionist meant you wanted everything to be perfect, but it doesn't. It means that whenever you do something, you pick at the small things that go wrong rather than the CBT taught me to actually set a target before I do anything and then if you achieve that look at that and be proud rather than look at the things that will always go wrong and pick yourself apart yeah um and you know talking to my girlfriends we all went to a grammar school so we're all kind of the same overachievers and we'd all we all do the same things and we'd never be proud of ourselves or look at something and have it you know just like be like great this is what I did and and this is what people saw from it and this is what 
I sh- you know, this is the level I should have been, and I did it. Mm. Um, and actually, my final week, I think I set myself a target of getting one eight, even though I think, you know, the numbers and the scores is a little bit, a little bit pantomime, all the rest of it, but I got two eights, and then I got voted out. <laughs> so if I could go out, you know, proud and, and feel like, actually, I've achieved what I wanted to achieve, rather than, oh, I got voted out, and everybody hates me. I didn't have that feeling. Yeah. Um, so it's a funny thing, but it is a bit of a mind... Um, I don't know what the polite way of saying it is. <laughs> well, they fill in the blank. <laughs> yes, I think um, that's interesting about the perfectionism, and I relate to that a lot because I think you're right. The sort of perception is that being a perfectionist means that everything you do turns out perfectly, and mm-hmm. if it doesn't, it's not perfect. You're disappointed. Whereas actually, it's to do with a sort of yeah nitpick and a standard in, in yourself that you've it's set the, yourself. It's it the might internal be internal pressure. It's the impossible. internal pressure. Yeah. yeah. Maybe something good came out of that side yeah, of it. Yeah, de- no, definitely that. did. Loads of good things came out of it. I mean, I've got my, I've got two children. Yes. <laughs> I love your husband. Well, that as well. They're all right, you know. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. But actually, thinking about that, because um, I was looking at all the things you've been up to, and I was thinking that actually, um, you know, you were talking about f- finding the sort of stage fright and, and nitpicking, but actually, if we fast forward to now, because I was at the timeline of when you were doing, involved in all the campaign against the, you know, the anti-Semitism that was going on in the Labour Party, mm-hmm. that, that what interested me in that with not just how brilliant and brave you were, but that was also the timeline when you were also having your first baby. Yeah. But then I was thinking, I know you've spoken a lot about the horrible side effects, the, the trolling and things like this, but there must have been a lot of stuff about it that's been really good, not least the fact that it's been recognised and, you know, have an MBE yeah, and all the good yeah. stuff. But I wondered how how empowering it is to feel that sort of David and Goliath thing and actually come out the other side of it with something to show for it yeah well it was I mean it was it was a huge relief so I mean it was it's it's funny it's one of the, it's another one of those things that I, I recently realized whenever I talk about it I have another physical reaction um but I was you know brought up secular Jewish but you know from forever I've known about the holocaust and I, I knew what it meant to you know stay silent in the face of injustice and I think that was kind of built into me and I just saw something bad happening and I don't know if it's just my personality or whatever, I just couldn't stay quiet. And it, it did take a, 
it took a it took a big toll. But the, the and I, I remember when I first started delving into it and doing research, I thought, you know what, maybe like they'll get out. He'll be out in a few months. Like, but once people realise how bad it is, he'll be out, and then we can get back to my real life. And it and it wasn't like that at all. It, they just stay like. And Pasha comes from a communist country. You know, he when he was brought up, he was communist. He's like communist. They get their claws into things, and they get they get the the mechanisms of the party, and they it's it's, it's deeply unpleasant. And I was pregnant, and my well, my first baby was due on the first of December. The general election was the twelfth of December, and she was eventually born on the fifteenth of December. And the the stress at that time, because you know you're in social media bubble and social media is quite left-leaning and there's all these supporters telling you you're evil and they're going to get in and genuinely a lot of people when I knew were talking about where they were going to go like what country they could flee to because there's this real sense of of of, of fear and what could happen and like a real and I and I do believe it's it's it was founded um so when you know that they were widely rejected, you know, 80 seat loss, you know, which is utter relief. But, I remember, but on that day, I also got a message wishing my daughter stillborn. Um, so, you know, it, it took its toll. But also I, I met some brilliant people. You know, there's some uh, we kind of I wasn't really in the Jewish community. We weren't brought up with Friday night dinners or anything. We were kind of like Yom Kippur Jews and we'd like, like the menorah and stuff. And now I've got invites to Friday night dinners and... Um, you know, I'm being awarded an MBE for services to Holocaust education and I've, you know, gone and gone to the Holocaust Survivor Centre and met these amazing, amazing people who've just survived, you know, horrors you can't imagine and they're still smiling and they're still making jokes and they're still, you know, offering up if, if you know, if Pasha ever moves on, they'll take me out for a dance. <laughs> 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 kind of um, so that's been lovely and, you know, having my children and I, growing up, not really knowing where we quite fit in, knowing that we're Jewish, but we're not really religious. And how does that really work? Now I know like a broader spectrum of, of Jewish people and, and I can give my daughters like a Jewish identity without them feeling that they don't fit in or whatever. Um, and they can just, I, you know, I took them to um, to Shul for, for Purim, which is a holiday that's kind of like, everyone dresses up like you would at Halloween. Um, and when we took them to shore and um, went to the kids reading where they're reading some stories and saying boo and cheering and all the rest of it. And as soon as we sat down in this quiet room with about 20 kids, Maeve says, mommy, I want some ham. <laughs> and I was like, Maeve, Maeve, in a synagogue asking for ham. I was like, vegan ham. We've got some vegan ham. I'll give you some vegan ham. <laughs> just, um, but just, you know, it, it's just, just, it's just funny. I just want them to be comfortable in themselves and in that environment and being able to pick and choose in the same way. I, I can. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's loads of positives. That's a really long answer to the question. No, no, it's, it's yeah. perfect because I was thinking about that because I know you've spoken a lot about the, the other sides of it and I'm so sorry you had to go through people saying such horrible, evil things, which obviously the sole intention of people who send messages like the one you received is to upset you. That is, They are trying to go directly to the heart of you to that's the thing about social media that I really hate is when you look through and this happens for the good stuff and the bad actually every time you look at a tweet for that one second they've got you they're in your Mm -hmm. ear and I think it's a really um it's very important to give it that perspective because even eight people saying something awful sounds like a crowd because for that second they've been there if I was in front of a crowd and there's some people loving it and a small proportion really bored. I probably will be able to overlook them and just look at the people having fun. But if I'm reading messages, I, everything comes in at the same level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can take those voices and I can and amplify the mid, them. The, you know, the, the middle ground don't really message. So you're only no. really hearing the yeah. amplified extreme ends. Absolutely. Um, but I, I, you know, one of the best people I met through this is a guy called Imran Ahmed. And he set up Centre for Countering Digital Hate. And he's like a labour proper labor man like he was um a spad for hillary ben um and he just does amazing amazing work he's like he's like a scientist so the way he analyzes stuff is like how can we fight online hate but but not in a way that's i think all that kind of stuff has kind of become so partisan like whether it's woke whether it's this whether what side you are but just at the heart of it there's social media companies that are making loads of money out of making everybody angry and they're making more money 
out of, you know, really vile stuff that would be illegal to say in real life mm. you know, for people. But because t- these tech companies have come through really, really quickly with loads of money and the governments haven't caught up with legislation, um, and of course they've got these like, huge, a lot in the US, these, these lobbies that are putting pressure on and putting all this money into to making sure that they don't get legislated for... There's, I'm glad that there's people like Imran that's out there that's just like speaking the middle ground, just saying, you know what, these ex- like proper extremists, some of yep. them, you know, proper Nazis or proper terrorist sympathizers or, you know, promoting this kind of stuff, this shouldn't be allowed and we need to do something to stop it and we need to hold these social media companies to account. Um, so now I'm kind of like broader picture, trying to support the, the, the broad brushstrokes of like, let's let's change something like this isn't normal I know it exists already so we've kind of got used to it and I know there's people that are kind of are hoping to stoke it and to say that oh you know every opinion's allowed and you can say whatever you like and actually let's just look at it like how we would in the real life in, in the real world exactly like, you know if someone went to your kid's notice board at school and put up a Nazi a Nazi you know meeting um, and encouraged all these little children to go and look at it and yeah it's not normal and just because yeah. it's on the internet you know, it doesn't mean it's okay. Yeah, no, and I, I think that idea of um, going after accountability is is really wise. And, and actually, I can't really think of any reason why anybody wouldn't subscribe to everything that that organisation is doing because surely, you know, if we're talking about, you know, with your daughters, with my children, the world they're growing up in, mm-hmm. a lot of the things we worry about and that kind of Wild West aspect to the internet and communication, it's its definitely worth paying attention to where that's headed. And yeah. all our, our worries yeah. about it could actually be allayed if there's just some more accountability. Yeah, I mean, there's so. always, there's a line, there's a line with everything, you know, like, well, if you stop this free speech, then you're going to stop this. It's like, well, you know, who's going to choose? Someone has to choose and someone has to make a judgment where the line is because there you yeah. can't just post everything. You no. can't just say, I want to do this violent act to you. I want to kill all these certain people. Like, there is a there is a line, and we know that there's line we're all exists because it sometimes goes into legality, exactly. and then people get prosecuted. And and it turns into real life stuff. And so. just because it's a difficult topic to work out where that line is and who yeah. gets to judge it, you know, that's why there's you know should be weights and measures and to be a broad group of people working on these things. Um, just because it's a difficult question doesn't mean we can just say everything goes um, and whatever it's doing to society and you know teenagers and. Mm all the effects it's having, that's just whatever. You know, there are so there are social media companies with a lot of money that are trying to pr- promote those ideas to stop yeah. themselves being legislated. Exactly. Um, but it's 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 not the same all through the world. You know, there's different mm. legislation in different countries. Europe's, I think, a bit better than we are potentially. Um, and there's, you know, the online safety bill um, that Imran's been doing. And, you know, some people are trying to pitch it as like woke, lefty. So I'm the type of person, people, some people think I'm a, I'm a, a mega woke, lefty, progressive, and some people think I'm far right. Um, and I just think, well, if there's an equal amount of people thinking that, then hopefully I am at just in the middle, like I perceive myself. Um, and because I know people who work really hard on this and I know yeah. they're not, you know, ex- extreme left and trying to shut down everything and block everybody. And yeah. then that's why I support it. Well, but then I think about you in the middle of this. So when you were saying that you, when you think back to sort of 2018, 2019, when, everything, when you were in the thick of everything and you said it does something to you physically. So what's changed in you that means that now you feel, do you feel more empowered now that means you feel like you can be proactive in this? Like your involvement with um, clamping down on this. How does that, yeah. how do you like keep that feeling balanced if you have to be open to it in order to get fielded up to want to change it? Well, I mean, the CCDH, Centre to County Digital Hate, had real practical advice on what to do with trolling. So you can just block it. Mm. <laughs> you don't have to accept this stuff. I wouldn't accept it in the street. Mm. They, Like you say, you know, a couple of people can affect your mood. They can get you right before you go to bed when you're playing with your children. Yeah. And you don't have to accept it. And I, I don't. Um, I'm a, I, I, I don't. Um, and when my, you know, first daughter came along, I just didn't have the time to be on social media like I did before. And also the election had just happened and they've been widely re- rejected. Mm. And I know that there's some brilliant people in Labour now really trying, determined to get rid of these bad actors. Um, so it kind of took the pressure off um, a lot. Um, and, you know, for my children, I want the... You know, there's a lot of this talk about, you know, why were people scared? What were you really scared of? And I, I, 
as part of, you know, I've done a lot of charity stuff and I get just the Jewish community, honestly, you get, you, you, you dip one toe in and you just get 75,000 charity invitations to do hands up. And I try to do as much as I can. But if you go to a Jewish school, which I've been to do maths games and, and stuff, you know, little children have to play like sleeping lions as, as, as drills for terrorist attacks. You know, they have... Um, bulletproof glass on the windows. At most Jewish buildings, you won't recognise as Jewish buildings when you walk past because they can't be recognisable. They have security outside, shuls, synagogues. You know, it's, it's really, really normal to have really high-end security. And there's a whole CST, the, security, the Community Security Trust, who provides security at another charity because we need it, because across the world, you know, there's still there's the Pittsburgh shootings, there's, you know, killings in France, there's... There are attacks. There's one of the reasons, you know, I campaigned to Jeremy Corbyn. He was campaigning to have terrorists who bombed a Jewish charity in London released from prison. Like, these are real threats. And, you know, while my children are Jewish and while, you know, friends who want their kids to be able to go and play and have a normal life, um, you know, I think it's, it's important that you have to, you know, stand up against this stuff. Yeah, I'm, and, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say I didn't know that about Jewish schools and... Sleeping lines and bulletproof glass and all that. Yeah, they have. Yeah, and that's, that's outrageous. It's not normal, but it's but within the Jewish community, it is their normal. Yeah. And when, um, but when you say it like that, you think, oh my goodness, you know, you got. To, why would you ever? Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't go to church and, and have, have you know campaigning. Have, have security. You wouldn't go to even you know mosques. Mm. You know, there have been mosque attacks, but you, but that wouldn't be normal to think to have that level of security. And the CST are brilliant. They help because in the UK, British Jews have been so much more fortunate than Jews around. Europe and so they train other organisations, other religions in 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 this kind of security techniques mm. as well. So they're great, but it's a real it's a real th- threat. There is yeah. a real threat, um, and when you have people undermining that, and uh, yeah, it's just it's not it's not no, it's not right. And especially <laughs> not when right. you think no, of right. as you said, like the the history that you grew up, you know, speaking about your family, and you think well. I have a voice, I can use it. And I suppose now that you've got your two little girls, you think about what world you want them to live in. So that's Yeah, and then, another... you know, other parents I know choosing between kids going to school and, you know, there's a flare-up in Israel, which has nothing to do with, you know, a kid in London being abused at school and the teachers kind of condoning it and often, often you know, this has happened. Um, and then thinking, well, shall I send them to Jewish school? But then at Jewish school, they're more of a target and there's all the security and it's... It's not right, really, is it? It's not right. We're you know in an age where we're we're desperately trying to eradicate discrimination yeah, and prejudice yeah. and make everyone equal, and you know it's not right. I agree, absolutely, it's not right. And I, I think, I mean, that's what I was saying when I was sort of reading through everything you've been up to. I was sort of seeing like this, like it looked to me like you were just getting like bolder and more empowered by a lot of the things you've done. It must feel pretty incredible to speak out and then actually see that see it right to the end of it well what what was really special i mean i was invited because i, I got my mba in the new year's honors list like actually going in july to, ah, to the castle to get it that's so pretty really soon excited, but i got invited to, um at the holocaust survivor center they had a, a, a cream tea and there were a few survivors and, and people in the jewish community being awarded in in the honors and we got to go there and you know these people <laughs> what they've survived and yeah how they are they're just incredible and like my teeny tiny like contribution just pales in comparison but um at that event the chief rabbi um like just like you know stood up and said some words about what it meant to the jewish community and him to you know people in general for 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 my contribution and and i was so i was so moved and so touched and actually, when I do charity events and, and go and meet Jewish people, I just get individual stories of, you helped my son with, with this thing, with this fight that he was having, and it was so stressful for him, and, and it really made a difference. Or, you know, you empowered my daughter to stand up to something that she experienced at school. It's just... or you know, And, you know, other secular Jews that didn't quite know where they fit say that, oh, actually, you know, she really, like, looks up to you. It's just... It's really lovely, and it, and it has had, like, a personal impact on so many, you know, individuals and that that really means the world because it it puts it into, you know, it means I did something and it, I stood up for something. Absolutely. And actually, I think, I think the more that we sort of, sometimes I think society is funny because the more we encourage things of, you know, the next generation, the youngest generations, the more sort of binary and safe people get in their older age. And I think that sometimes is what's happening with 
I don't know, all levels of uh, acceptance. We want our children to feel they can be their complete whole self, them to be, you know, being sort of true to themselves, feeling authentic, that word that gets used a lot. But then we, sometimes things get very clamped down when they step outside of the norm. And I know that on on platforms like social media platforms, people can be very wary of being called out. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like people just don't really want to rock the boat with a lot of things. Oh, they yeah, just it's wanna... a lot safer just to keep your head down, keep exactly. your mouth shut. Exactly, um, but that's not what you would encourage for your kids, is it? You'd never say to them... It's hard because you, you don't want to put them in harm's way and you don't want them to risk... You know, some kids were at a Jewish event were like, you know, what happens if I go for a job interview and they don't like whatever I've posted? You know, you say, well, you've got to be, you've got to be true to yourself. You've you got to know yeah. that if anything you do on social media is public. So if you can stand by it um, and you know that anyone can look at it over any period of time, then, you know, you only have to answer to yourself, really. And if they don't like it, that's kind of their problem. But there are so many issues now, and it's really hard to navigate. And you, yeah. I try to, you know, you have red lines with something she can't tolerate, but I think I try to, you know, appreciate someone else has a different opinion on something. That doesn't mean I have to write them off as a person. And I think social media makes that harder. Definitely. <laughs> um, but stepping away from that, you know, I see the awful things that are written about me and I think, well, that's not true, obviously. Well, I don't think it's true. Um so I try, you know, to take as you find with other people. Um, yeah, like I say, everyone has their red lines, but you you can be a bit more generous where you might lay them and give people the benefit of the doubt of maybe, you know, there's a grey area or maybe they didn't quite mean what people are twisting it to or, you know, just 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 believe, see with your own eyes, listen with your own ears and make up your own mind. Absolutely. You don't have to like everyone. Um, you don't have to hate everyone everywhere. Yeah, yeah I think you're absolutely right with all of that. And... Um, so obviously this is, you've been thinking about your own childhood and what elements, you know, you want to incorporate with your girls. Do they have any similarities, do you think, to how you were raised? <laughs> um, I don't know about how I was raised. I mean, I think, I think my parents gave us a lot of freedom in a good way. Um, and I think I'm, I'm trying to do that with the kids. Um, just let them try stuff. I mean, they've got, I've got two very independent girls, especially, you know, three-year-old, she's... So independent, and I love it. It's brilliant. It's my favourite object age, object, objectively, like three, four. Because yeah. they're like they're so bold. They're just yeah. they're completely unapologetically themselves. Like, <laughs> sometimes a bit too much, but I'm sort of rooting for them sometimes with that too. Yeah, I mean, it's just nice watching them grow, isn't it? And mm. you know, you've got five boys, and they're all so different. And then yeah. we've just got the two, and the second one comes out. And it took us like an hour after she was born because Maeve's looks like Pasha, so she's got dark hair, dark eyes, olive skin, and. Um, we saw that, you know, the scan before she was born. It was like, oh, we've got another one, the same. And then Noah came out. And after an hour, Pasha went, oh, look, she's blonde. <laughs> and it was like, really? <laughs> and she's, she, you know, because she's covered in everything. But she's blonde hair, blue eyes, fair skin. And they're totally different personalities. And you just, you know, it's just a pleasure as a parent, isn't it, to see their personalities come out and to see yeah. how they are. Um yeah, that's kind of what I got into. I was like, oh, they're really different. I wonder who else is out there. Yeah. But then but I do think you're quite... I actually saw that you'd sort of basically like, with two kids, we can fit into like a normal-sized yeah, yeah, car, yeah. normal-sized <laughs> hotel room. I mean... I mean, I would... I, would, I love... I do love... I, I love kids. You could just keep having them. I can see why you would. Um, but I just... Then you have like a teething week and you're just like, no. More no, no, don't worry. <laughs> I, don't, I know. I, I, well, to be honest, I'm... When we first started talking today, I was nearly like, can you just, if you interview yourself and I make all the right noises, because I had, <laughs> I had such a bad night's sleep, which culminated oh. in Mickey and I were down here. My heart about half four, quarter to five this morning, um, which I didn't want to be happening. No. So that's what time I got up. They so my brain, moments, don't they? Oh, so annoying. And you just think <laughs> of all the things you've got to do that day and how much harder everything's going to be because you've not really slept. Yeah. But it's so light outside as well. He was, when I was saying I it's still nighttime, he just wasn't They're really like, yeah, right, whatever. <laughs> um, so I wanted to ask you how, because obviously your husband has a different, he came from a different country. Yeah. How do you incorporate his... Russianness. With well, them. that's the thing you say. You know, upbringings from the, you know we're repeating. But he was in Soviet Russia, so he was in an apartment block where there was no running water in his flat. There was an outside toilet, even though it gets down to minus forty in the winter. Um, and his mum, you know, they didn't have nappies in those days. They had to make their own kind of things out of cloth and carrier bags. You know, so it's a completely different. Wow experience yeah. but um, Hope you, I'm, not, I'm hoping you haven't recreated this situation. No. <laughs> no but it makes you realize all this all the paraphernalia you don't you don't need it that's you true know, you can you just get on with it you know 
just got them, got my boob for the milk, you know, something, a, a, a bottle lid they'll play with for now if you really need it, you know, you can get by without all the stuff, even though our house is full of stuff. Um, but then, say, no wonder Noah's so happy next door if at home she's just got a bottle lid. <laughs> That's, you buy all these toys, it's like cats, you buy all the cat stuff and they're like, no, I will sit on the hard floor next to the soft thing you bought me. Um, but they're, they're, they're bilingual, um, so they both understand um, and Noah's starting to speak Russian. Maven's, you know, equally happy in Russian and English. And we've got Ukrainians living with us. So um, Noah, the, the little one, also kind of understands everything in Ukrainian. And, and Maeve the other day said something in Ukrainian. They're like, wow! They just pick it up. They're like sponges at that age. Um, and Pash speaks to them in Russian. I speak to them in English. Um, so, you know, they've got a bit of everything. Um, and they're getting kind of, they're starting to sing a few Russian nursery rhymes with him and... And now the brilliant thing is, um, you know, some people are like, you will not watch television, you will not watch YouTube. We're not like that, but we can watch, you know, when Maeve was two, she was obsessed with Bing. And you can get Bing Bunny in Russian. So she can watch her cartoons and be learning a language at the same time. Um, and then, you know, when they're a bit older, you can put the subtitles on and then they can, you know, learn as they go. Um, so they're getting a bit of everything. They're getting, mm. you know, a bit of Jewish, a bit of Russian, a bit of English, a bit of ukrainian as well mixed in that's so fab um, i'm actually really jealous of that. i've always been thought it must be lovely to grow up bilingual actually i think that's such a gift well it's interesting you see things you, i mean we just you know have, have been told about you about um bilingual children their brains do get wired slightly differently really um, in what way I'm, I'm not entirely sure but they generally statistically they, they do better across the board in different subjects and because you think well if, if we start them bilingual will they be slow in English or they but actually statistically they generally do a bit better and and what's been interesting is is seeing things like her learning to count mm. so you're not you're not you're never quite sure if they're just repeating words and repeating patterns but when she was learning to count she would switch in the middle she'd be like one two three so you can see that she knows the position and she knows what they mean um and it is interesting you, you know and again they say the most um well, I don't know the word is like polyglotic or whatever. The, the best uh, the adults who speak languages, they pick and choose bits of languages because not every language has the right words to explain each thing. So they'll pick bits that's, God, that's easy so and, and mix and match. Um, and, and now, you know, Maeve's three and a half, so she, she was, she, I don't think she knew what language she was speaking before, but now she, you can see her switch from one to the other when she's speaking to different people. So it's kind of fascinating to watch that's her, brilliant. Her do that. I love the idea of the counting in one language switching to another. That's amazing. And, <laughs> the, and the idea of choosing which, which words yeah. articulate best where you, what you need and to some, say. Sometimes it makes you laugh at some of the things she does. But um, yeah, it's, it's fascinating to watch. And you get, you get a real sense of what she's understanding and the pattern spotting she's, she's doing. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's really interesting. No, I think that's great. I'm just thinking it's probably a bit too late for me to start that with my kids. But the, um, <laughs> well, you can have some more. The extra bonus bit of them, like, they have to use more of their brain. It's a bit like, I suppose, like the cab drivers learning the knowledge, like literally using more parts of their brain, probably. I wonder what language they dream in. I don't know. I've asked that with Pash and he doesn't know. I think he, I don't know. Yeah, who knows? It's so magical. It yeah. really is. And I mean, are you, as a person, are you someone that does like lots of like long-term planning or are you kind of no. more like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can't remember what I'm doing tomorrow. Oh yeah, yeah, no, I'm doing tomorrow. Um, no, no, no. And especially Pasha's is even worse than me. And I think he's had, a, his influence has rubbed off on me. Like, I think, especially because of his life, he's, I mean, he started off in Siberia, then he went to the middle of Russia, then he went to Moscow, then he ended up in New York and then out, all these opportunities ended up in LA out of, that, you know, happen starts and then in, in London and then he's ended up here. He was supposed to be here for just, you know, yeah. one Strictly season or whatever and he's found a, found a, a wife and some children. Um, so we don't, yeah, we're, we're terrible, absolutely terrible with planning stuff. Um, I don't think it's terrible. I think it's sometimes it's quite good introduction to parenthood, actually. <laughs> there's so much of it doesn't work out anyway. So I think it can be quite good if you're just sort of a little bit more, you react to things as yeah, they come. Yeah, I'm sure it's got its benefits and its negatives, but... Um, you know, we're thinking, you know, in a couple of years we'll move out of London, but we haven't decided where or no, You'll know when the time's or... right. And did you ever consider not keeping going with TV and all the things you were doing? I love it. No, I love it. Um, and now, you know, parenting, you go to work for a rest, don't you? <laughs> 
yeah. it's another one of those things you're just in that space and that's all you have to do at that time when you're on camera it's such know. an indulgence isn't it it is um it feels lovely when you can just focus on one thing yeah yes. yeah absolutely and yeah you, you just it does feel like a rest and you go home and then the kids and you put the kids to bed and this is like, okay um so no I, I love it and the countdown the schedule's so good um and because of the pandemic and because of you know the way they've that they've just been letting me, you know, breastfeed. So if I need breaks to to pump or feed the babies or whatever, I can do that. So I was taking Maeve up to start with, and now she's at preschool. So I take Noah up with me, and um, I'm really lucky that I've been able to keep doing that. And you know, she's going to turn two in November, and I'm hoping, you know, to stop and start ditching her and get her off to preschool get her, get her off the boob get my boobs back so you are a planner after all well that you know I, I, I when the second one was born Maeve wasn't quite two and I wanted to feed her till I was two I didn't want to kick her off when the baby came so I was had I had two once for a, for two or three months and I was like you know I'm ready now it's been three and a half years of breastfeeding and whoa I'm, I'm on the countdown <laughs> in more days than one yeah. <laughs> yeah I think well I don't know about you but when I stopped feeding my babies I always felt like I got a bit of my brain back actually yeah I'm hoping for that just, <laughs> just, just to get your body back and the, the one well she's one and a half and she just she's just happy to get my nipples out wherever we are at the moment I think it's just a comfort thing <laughs> like, yeah so I'm, I'm quite looking forward to just having them away mm. <laughs> well I'm glad Countdown have been so hospitable it's kind yeah. of the way you imagine it working no it's been good yeah, yeah it's, been, it's been good especially the first one because of the pandemic um, and I was around, didn't have anywhere to go, so she wouldn't take a bottle and we didn't force it. So she mm. just followed me around. And thankfully the second one takes a bottle so you can yeah, a bit pump and run. There you <laughs> yeah. go. Oh, it's so nice to talk to you, Rachel. Thank you for doing the pod. I had to wait a lot. Basically, I kept doing the podcast for a few years just so <laughs> you could get, get really entrenched in all the, oh, the plates running. Lovely. And I still need all your advice on childcare. We can pretend we're talking for a bit longer if you want because Noah's <laughs> really happy next door. Well, it's all quiet. <laughs> yeah, this is great. Just so much just lie Should down. just stay here? Lie My God, yeah, there's sofa. a couple of sofas. Let's yeah. just have a quick nap. <laughs> so peaceful. <laughs> we both won't tell anybody. But it suits me perfectly. <laughs> What a lovely woman. Thank you, Rachel Rowley. So gorgeous to sit down and chat and hear about everything, actually, and how her life has shifted and changed. And I think sometimes that bravery and that sort of that sense of wanting to do what's right, I think it can be a bit strengthened when you're a parent, actually, because you feel a bit of a legacy about the next generation. Maybe that also comes with getting older. I don't know. I've started to think more about that, actually, the older I get. And I think also just thinking about, will I be the person to call out things if I feel like there's something going wrong? I do think it takes guts. I like to think I'd always be able to do it, but the truth is I think sometimes I can be a bit a bit meek, really. Um, something I'm working on, I think. I think it's really good to be able to call stuff out and be unapologetic about it. I think it's a good thing. So, yes, I can learn from that for sure. And, uh, yeah, just a complete pleasure to chat. So, thank you to Rachel. I would say as well, poor Rachel, when she got to my house, she just hurt herself. She, like, hit her eye on the corner of her boot and she still came over even though she was obviously in a little bit of pain. Nothing some frozen peas couldn't solve. But thank you to Rachel for persevering even though she's probably thinking I just kind of want to lie down for a little minute you know sometimes these things happen um I've got distracted I've just noticed my cat is lying in such a comfy way I want to be a cat cats have quite a nice life don't they just mooching around snuggling sleeping exploring eating a little bit exploring some more they're very low maintenance as well yeah be a cat that's my take on that. Anyway, thank you so much to Rachel. Thank you to everybody for listening. And next week, back with another brilliant guest. I'm so happy with this series. I know it's um, probably something I say every time, but it's just been really lovely putting it together and another wonderful array for you. So, yeah, where to next? You'll have to come back next week and find out. I never like telling you it's going to be just in case something goes a bit wonky and I have to swap it. That would look unprofessional. That's the last thing I want. Anyway, in the meantime, I hope you're having a nice chill time, whatever you're up to. I hope you've managed to have a little bit of a break during the summer holidays. Or maybe if you don't have kids or your kids are grown up, you're lucky enough to not be beholden to the actual school summer holidays. Wow, I have got such a long way to go with that. I'm sure I've mentioned it before, but my youngest is about to start reception, so 
I'm still in it for the long haul, but one can dream. Anyway, lots of love. See you next week. Thanks. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.